0: So Matt, why couldn't toilet paper cross the road?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know
0: because it got stuck in a crack.
1: <laughs> that's that's bad.
0: Yeah, that bad. I liked it though. You you could have said that was a crappy joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good
0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam, and my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right everybody, here we are again. And Matt, how are you doing tonight, brother?
1: Man, I'm doing pretty good. Good. It's uh, getting chilly outside. It's dark already. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> this so is I, my
1: my uh my clock, my body clock is not adjusting yet. So yeah, I know. probably I'll probably go to bed right after this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, I'm. I'm really. I think we talked about this last year, but I'm really ready for them to get rid of this whole time change thing. Just yeah, just
1: pick pick one. Really, and and you know, of course, I would say just pick daylight saving time, um, and stick with it. But whatever, I'd I'd much rather just say, okay, this is what time it is, and let's rock on because yeah. It it, it just—it screws me up. uh, Yeah, messes messes with me. I don't mind it staying dark, staying uh, light until nine o'clock in the summertime here. Oh yeah, but you know, I mean, not everybody has the benefit of the central time zone.
0: Right, (laughs) right, and that—that's my thing. I like it to stay light later, not getting dark at five o'clock because it's just. It makes me sleepy. Then by six o'clock, I'm like, well, it's been dark for an hour. I think it's time to go to bed. And it's like, oh, wait, no, it's not even dinner time yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now that we've complained about the weather and the time, like we always we, seem to do, we always do. Yep. Uh, always
1: get the weather report. And-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to let everybody know what it's like in the graveyard. You know, their <laughs> graveyard might not be the same. Hey,
1: no. tonight, the night before I came out to record, um, Brooks goes, uh, hey, uh, you guys ought to really record in a graveyard. <laughs> I was like, I
0: don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, maybe, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> I'm going to use the excuse of, uh, we don't have an extension cord that long. Yeah, exactly. There you go. My battery backups won't last that long. Oh. All right. So real quick, we wanted to thank tonight's sponsor, Care Of. Um, We'll talk more about them a little bit later, but as you guys know, we are big fans of Care Of. We really like that company, and we really appreciate them sponsoring this episode. Um, We also want to mention that we are now new members of the Podbelly Network. Um, Go check them out at podbelly.com. And if you're thinking about starting a podcast, there's a ton of free educational information from what microphones to use to the recording software all the way up to social media branding and publishing. Just a ton of free information that you can go grab there. And there is also a bunch of great podcasts from all different genres. It just runs the gamut of what you can get there. Um, Our friends over at Hillbilly Horror Stories are on there. Just the Worst Podcast, Lost Boys of Hannibal, and our buddy Brent over at the Sofa King Podcast are all members of the Podbelly Network. So go check them out, podbelly.com. We're proud to be new members of that group. We think it's awesome, and we really love what they're doing.
1: Yeah, and uh, Brent uh, sent us some uh, really cool T-shirts. Uh, and some stickers too. So uh, I have I have got the uh, the Podbelly sticker on my Chromebook now. There you and go. I'm I'm sporting this shirt. Man, this shirt is I am I am thoroughly impressed. I'm like I don't <laughs> usually when you get somebody sends you a free t-shirt, it's like ah eh, maybe I'll wash the car with it. Man, this right. is some high quality high quality gigs oh, yeah.
0: now. Oh yeah, I'm you jealous because mine's in the wash. I can't put it on yet.
1: So. <laughs> Mine uh. I, well, I just, I have a tendency to just put them on brand new. I, it's, just, yeah. it's just one of them things. I've got you know. this,
0: I got this weird thing about, uh, I'm always worried about it chafing. Like my nip's getting <laughs> chafed from a new shirt, so I got to wash it, you
2: know? <laughs> oh my
1: God, I just about did a spit take right into the microphone. <laughs> that I was drinking been... water and he says that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. I love it. Except for the fact oh. that you'd have had to buy a new microphone. That wouldn't have been good, but.
1: I know. Well see then then, then 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 I could have uh could have finally sold this to uh to Amanda that I need this microphone. Oh now. yeah,
0: that would've worked.
1: Yeah, she's like, the one you have what works great. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, but it's not the
1: one I want.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Tell her you need to get the, the new mic so that it boosts that muscle profundo of your voice. That's and, right, yeah. You know. All right. So before we get into what we're talking about tonight, I just wanted to preface it by saying we are going to mispronounce a lot in this episode. Um, yes, we are. Our country boy tongues are not going to be able to say some of these things correctly, so forgive us. We're going to do the best we can. Um, we
1: should just record that and play it before every episode. Yeah, exactly. Because we're going to mispronounce... <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Every show.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Thank
1: y'all for being so nice when you tell us how to pronounce it correctly. Yes. Instead of just dogging us out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very much appreciated. Y'all are awesome. And we've said it before. Y'all are some of the best listeners out there. Um, and it, it's proof when y'all don't ridicule us for sounding like this most of the time. And not saying things with a good tongue, you know. So, (laughs) all right, Matt. So tell us what we're talking about tonight, brother.
1: All right. So I'm probably going to mispronounce this right out of the gate, and I've been practicing for a while. But (laughs) tonight we're we're going to talk about um, a a legend, you know, folklore, whatever you want to call it, from the Philippines, and this is the uh, swung.
0: you did good i'm
1: proud of you. i got it yeah buddy <laughs> so i mean you know this thing has has been around for a really long time i don't know adam would uh, you you could equate this to maybe maybe i don't know what we would say in the us maybe bigfoot legends but you know i i can't really say you know it. It has it has touches of of vampires and werewolves and witches and you name it. Mm-hmm. it. It's just it just encompasses so much, but it's so interesting, right? How it plays into the culture in the Philippines. So uh, I, I really think you guys are going to enjoy what Adam and I have to share about the aswang
0: at least we hope you enjoy it. If not, don't <laughs> tell us because we're fragile people. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, like Matt said, the Aswang is one of the most pervasive folkloric concepts in Philippine culture. Now, the term Aswang originated from the Filipino word Asawang, meaning dog, because that that's usually the form that it likes to take the most. Uh, one of the... Couple forms that it likes to take the most it it likes to form as a dog, and we'll we'll talk about that here in a little bit um but there are three things that people from all over can agree on about the Aswang. and one is that its diet consists mainly of human liver and blood that it has an unholy preference for unborn children, and that is it is also known to prey upon children and sick people, so already it sounds like a mean, mean booger,
1: oh yeah, and you know it does um it does take the form of a dog most often in the folklore, but you know birds, pigs, hey other people,
0: right, right, um,
1: even to the point of we we'll get into like you know doppelgangers, you know yeah. you'll see you'll see an an individual that you know. But it's
0: not them, you know. Yeah, it, it's could, could be a could be a swong. It's really weird what it uh what it does. Um during the daylight hours a swongs go incognito, as they say, um taking on human form to blend in with regular townspeople. But while it's doing that, it's consciously observing who to target next. Now most have aso- uh have been associated with women particularly because of long, dark hair, which they use to cover bloodshot eyes. So they're using it as a as a disguise to cover some features that you might say, "Yep, yeah, that's an Aswang. Well, they long hair so they can kind of cover some of those features. Now, when night creeps in, they shift into their predatory forms. Now. It it wanted this article wanted us to note that that is not to be confused with their true ghoulish forms, but their predatory forms are, you know, a large dog, a man sized bird or a black Siamese cat while they wait for their human prey to be alone before they feast on their flesh and their blood. Now, because Aswangs disguise themselves as humans and animals, no one is really prepared for them. But to avoid becoming prey, there are telltale signs that reveal when the beasts are on the hunt. Now, yeah, it's so like po-
1: the it's like the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no one no expects. one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> no one expects the Aswang. So apparently, when you hear a tick tick ticking noise. From the darkness, that means an aswang has taken its, quote, tick-tick form, signaling it is ready to eat. Now, the softer the noise, the closer the aswang is to you. So it's a little trick of the the creature to make it sound like it's getting further away when really it's creeping up on you. Um, and yeah, that's we'll, weird, isn't it? It, it really yeah. is. And we'll talk about it here in a minute. There's some other features that kind of throw you off if you're trying to use visual or auditory signs to protect yourself. It's got some other weird things that it it does. Well, a swongs usually will land on a victim's roof waiting to stretch their long, dripping tongues to get a taste of human prey. Now, in most cases, they pay a visit to every pregnant woman in town hoping to feed on unborn children because, as we said, it has this weird thing about wanting to eat unborn children. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that's a weird thing. It it is. It's a weird little quirk. Just an odd little quirk of this thing.
1: (laughs) It's a weird little quirk. (laughs)
0: Uh Uh-huh. So this article says that pregnant women emit a distinct smell that attracts these asswongs. And... This has historically been used to explain miscarriages or stillbirths in rural parts of the Philippines. So we see some of the folkloric aspects of this coming in that it's used in order to explain certain medical conditions or you know, medical problems uh, being explained on the Aswang. So after feeding, Aswangs often replace their victim with doppelgangers made from tree trunks or other plant materials, as Matt was talking about doppelgangers. Um, People will be blissfully unaware of these beasts that are on a killing spree because of this. Um, So it's really odd that they wouldn't just kill the prey. They will kill but then replace it with something else. And we've heard of this kind of replacing of a human before when we discussed the fae legends. Mm, right. So it, had, it has some tie-ins to the fae um, there as well, where it, it takes a log or, or something and through magic makes it look like the person that it just preyed upon. Another reason why Filipinos fear Aswangs are because of their ability to pass on their magical powers to someone else. Now, it's a common belief that if an Aswang holds its mouth close to a person's mouth, they, too, will eventually become one of them.
2: Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of
0: we'll, we'll touch on how this happens here in a minute. Um, but to protect themselves from Aswangs, some Filipinos keep a stingray's tail to dispel the presence. And apparently salt, garlic, and ginger are said to be effective when it comes to warding off these terrifying creatures, which is convenient really, because that's a lot of the ingredients that are used in Filipino cooking.
1: Now, I was gonna um, say, as like you can also make
0: a delicious dish. Exactly. <laughs> and make a fantastic meal with those ingredients while you're warding off in a swamp. <laughs>
1: Make some uh, ginger garlic uh, chicken there.
0: Yep. Uh, Now, Matt, you had (laughs) you and I were talking, and you had said that uh, we we talked about the garlic thing. Uh huh. So, uh, do you want to tell them what you were telling me about the garlic thing? Because that was actually pretty fascinating.
1: Well, it it you know, there's in the Philippines you find that there are there are a lot of movies much much like. um, it's like vampire movies are very popular in the U S um, there are series of a swung movies in the Philippines. And I saw an interview with, with a, a film director uh, in the Philippines who makes, uh, who made a lot of these movies. And, and he thought it was, it was interesting that he will, you know, he's, he's taking a lot of creative license, sure. but he's, he, you know, he says, "I'm not a scientist, you know. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not a historian. I'm basing everything off of folklore, and you, you, you add a little something here, you take away a little something there to push your story or to make your movie a little more interesting." And he says, "You know, the minute that I include something like the uh, the uh, Swang hates garlic." and you can repel on a swan with garlic in a movie it just seems to seamlessly fold into the folklore
0: and, and that that's incredible to me that that thought is just incredible
1: yeah i mean it but it happens here sure i mean sure. it happens here i mean you know if you go all the way back to bram stoker's dracula what most people Would would understand to be accurate about vampire folklore comes from that book. Oh, yeah. And and then the things that we have added to the folklore have been in books by Anne Rice or by movies. Right. And you just they are they are accepted as part of the folklore. Sure. That's how it happens in the Philippines as well when we're discussing the Aswang. Um, you know, if it appears in a movie, then in time, it's gradually accepted as part of the folklore, whether it was really ever there or not.
0: Right. So go back and listen to Graveyard Tales Vampire episode if you want more <laughs> details on the vampire and how it changed throughout history. So
2: <laughs> I love it. Um,
0: I love it. We're giving
1: footnotes and references.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it it's fantastic. If you we've got enough now as a catalog where True. if we mention something you can go back and listen to where we we first True. talked about it. So um but like Matt was saying when when it is added into folklore there what what we kind of talked about before the mics were on was that to me is just fascinating how Folklore works, and, and it proves right there the the thing that we've talked about before and we've heard many people talk about is it, it starts out, a, a folkloric tale starts out as a small thing. And then as it's retold over the years, people add stuff to it or their own experience or something they heard from somebody else. And so it builds and it builds and it builds until we have this living, breathing folkloric creature that takes on so much and sometimes it can take on more than it needs to and start to then hit the unbelievable side again you know it'll build up to a believable level and then it's added to more and more and more it's like when a kid starts telling you a story Mm -hmm. and and (laughs) you get a they get a reaction from you And Uh so then they just start adding to it and adding to it. And then they say it again and they say it again and they say it again. And now you're like, okay, I don't believe that you found a dead bird under the tree, because apparently when you touched it, it came back alive and it bit your (laughs) finger. And now you're a bird. So, no, I don't believe it anymore. You know, so it's kind of the same thing with uh, these folkloric tales is that it kind of does this ebb and flow thing where it's not really believable. Then it becomes a little more believable. Then it gets crazy again. And, and, uh-huh. you know, we do that all the time throughout history. All cultures do that with all of their folklore. And it it's, it's one of those things that keeps drawing me back into folkloric tales and these folkloric monsters and stuff like that is just the life that the culture breathes into them.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're ever, you know, wherever you live, uh, you know, around the world, if you ever have the opportunity to go to a storyteller's convention or Mm -hmm. anything, and I know most people are like, yeah, okay, you know, "Eh, that's not really my bag. I'm I'm telling you, listen to me. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, if you enjoy listening to two buffoons like Adam and, and myself.
0: <laughs> no kidding, right?
1: Relate these stories to you, then hearing, you know, a, a, a talented storyteller tell some of these stories from folklore, it is absolutely incredible.
0: Yes, it is. And
1: and the way that these stories spin and and. Play into historical events and things that maybe you've always heard, but never really investigated much. Or you're like, oh, well, that's where that comes from. Do it. Do it. It doesn't matter. If you're in the United States, if you're in Australia, if you're in Europe, the Philippines, wherever. I mean, they are these kind of things happen. Listen to these stories, because I'm telling you, it is. I mean, it is a it is a life changing event to hear somebody be able to tell these kind of stories and and these stories about the Aswang um, and the way they have permeated Filipino culture is just it's incredible.
0: Right. Right. And like Matt said, if you like our idiotic renditions of these things, you'll like someone (laughs) who actually knows what they're doing when they tell right. these stories you know so, so
1: someone that's actually skilled at storytelling
0: <laughs> right um, okay so we'll get back to the notes here um now religious artifacts such as holy water and crucifixes are also placed near windows kind of in the belief that displaying them ensures no evil beings enter the house and there are also these philippine amulets Amulets, which have the power to repel a swan, so that's a lot like some of these other folklores from other countries that we have talked about, where holy water and religious amulets will kind of make the a or the creature in general turn away, yeah, and and go somewhere else.
1: And um, and I I've seen lists that include things like gold, gold coins, silver coins. Um that would draw I mean, me there though. Common yeah. Common common household items. Uh you know a, a a white a white painted cross. Um you know just you know salt all those things it was funny because the um the idea is that there is really no chance that you don't just have one or more of these things in your house right and right
2: that,
1: that the the aswang really doesn't stand a chance i mean you it's well i like just, just about anything repels you know one of these things um, Right. but i, well, that's I, a I good thought thing, man though. that's, that's yeah i was like that's really interesting that this they it has progressed to this much stuff yeah prepared. oh a sack with gold coins and ginger so that you can throw it at them. That was one of that was one of my favorites.
0: Oh, so you're paying them off, basically. Yes. <laughs> if you if you throw gold Take coins it. if you throw gold coins at me and say leave, I'm gonna leave. You just yeah. paid me to leave. Okay. So, but I'm gonna come back tomorrow. Right. <laughs> right. But see,
1: with a, I, with a catcher's mask on,
0: <laughs> I had this stint as an exotic dancer where people paid me to leave. So <laughs> I made really good money that way. But (laughs) put it on, put it on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Put it on and leave. Put it on. Get out. Leave. (laughs) Okay. so uh, there are quite a few classifications of the Aswang. So we need to kind of go through those um, real quick here. Now, as a shapeshifter, it can take on a lot of different forms. So I've got some of the most prevalent forms here to talk about. Um, it it's not a fully comprehensive list, but we talk about several of them here that I was able to find um, The first one is the humanoid, now mostly upright but sometimes crawls on all fours, which would be creepy as all get out um, The body can be covered in black coarse quill like hair the skin color can be black or ashen gray, and the body can be oily. As well, due to the application of an unknown kind of grease or coconut oil concoction, usually before stalking their prey. Uh, So they got a lube up to get in there. (laughs) Um, Oh, Lord. So (laughs) I'll just move on before we make jokes we shouldn't. Um, So in this configuration, they normally crawl on the floor or the immediate space outside or they lay prone on the floors looking for a peephole or what they have called a lick hole in this article um, where they it's can a family drop their, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll only say lick hole one more two more times now. Um, so they, they drop their highly prehensile tongue or proboscis through this lick hole that reportedly has the looks and consistency of vermicelli and the dexterity of a human hand so if you can imagine that so they got a, a, a big vermi- long
1: tongue that they can they can swirl around and control and they can pretty much grab grab stuff with it
0: yep they're going to they'll eat you with their vermicelli noodle um, uh, this tongue can inflict sickness or death on its victims which are usually sick people anyway or children or pregnant women so that would be I mean, if I look outside my house and there's an oily humanoid licking at the bottom of my door, you better believe I'm calling the cops because that ain't right.
1: Yeah. And I've got whether or not it being a swong. Yeah. and, and, And if this if these this description of these humanoid swongs aren't weird enough, they can be they can be very thin and they they've been depicted as being so thin that they could hide behind bamboo posts
0: right it's weird like,
1: okay you know yep. how how much more strange can uh can they be and um you know even even they they have been described as walking with their feet backward
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah that was one of those things that uh i was talking about earlier that they do to um kind of lead you off their trail so that if their feet are backward, then you can't track them wherever they're going because it's going the wrong way. Um, So so they're just, yeah, they're just odd creatures. Um, One of the other forms that it takes is the canine form, um, as we talked about a little bit ago. Um, And a swan can appear as a large menacing dog with coarse black hair and flaming red eyes. So that sounds a lot like the hellhounds, um, which you can go back and listen to a Graveyard Tales episode about the hellhounds if you want to do that, too. Um, <laughs> they, they normally stalk the roadsides, um, but they have been reported to roam the cities on occasion. Now, it's huge size and wild hair reminds one of a jackal. Um, normally, house dogs will hide, howl or flee when they see in a swan in this form. Um, because animal senses are, like we've talked about, way sharper than our own, so they can kind of see through this guise and know that it's not just a large canine. Um, one of the other forms that they take is a porcine form. Um, so that that's a pig, if you don't know. Um, by <laughs> uh, they say this is by far the most common a swan configuration in the Philippines. Um, essentially, it's just a scaled up pig with the basic characteristics of the first two forms of a swong. Their arrival is heralded by snorting and gnashing of teeth and uh, really, you know, quicker speed than most domesticated pigs have. Um, But their sheer size is usually what gives them away.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and I've read that if you, if you see a large pig, um, chances are it would be believed to be in a swong. But, also, a pig without a tail
0: mm-hmm.
1: is another indicator. Right. You know, that it's probably not a pig.
0: Um, another form that they take is the avian form. And this is the one that we talked about that was called the tick tick. Um, this is one of the most sinister looking configurations of the swan in the Philippines. Outwardly, it will look like a large man sized vulture or raven. Now, apart from its great size, a dead giveaway would be its unusual ability to fly low and slow without the wings ever flapping, um, even when the wind is incredibly still. This was the exact observation of a friend of the authors here who saw what he thinks was in a swang flying low over a public schoolhouse. Um, he was apparently with you know a bunch of his classmates when he saw this. So that would be really weird to see this giant human sized vulture just basically soaring low over the town.
1: Yeah. And if um, if you go and you find um, modern day uh, a swan, uh, a (laughs) swan told you (laughs) uh, encounters, most of the of the modern day encounters you will find are of this bird-like creature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bet I read a dozen accounts uh, from individuals on, on Reddit and different forums, and, and they all had this story that pretty much went the same way. There was something on the roof. I went out and investigated, and it was this large bird-type creature with blood-red eyes. And they, it left or they scared it away. Uh, and it would come back every so often, and they would see exactly what Adam described is this, you know, this large gliding bird flying much too low or, or flying at night when you wouldn't typically expect to see a bird like that flying, you know, right with, with no flapping. It's just, it, it's a common occurrence in. I'd say as a, a swan encounters over the last, you know, 30 to 40 years.
0: Right. Um, now, one of the least common forms of the swan is the feline form. Um, one of them in a cat form can range from the size of that of a Siamese cat to that of an ocelot or a jaguar. So a small to a you know, kind of medium sized, large cat. Now, a a suspected a swung in this form was reportedly caught many years ago in a town in antique. um, According to the author's father, Um, it was tied up, placed in a sack and beaten up and speared and hauled to the town plaza. When the folks opened the sack to show it to the townspeople, they saw a dead Creole woman with long flowing brown hair. Apparently, a scion of a wealthy family of European extraction from the next town. So apparently this lady had become in a swung in a feline form and they caught her. Now, yeah, and, again, that's, folk now, lore, here's, but
1: here's, here's my take on this story. You show up with a bag mm-hmm. and you say, we just killed this, uh, a swung that looked like, you know, a, a bobcat or whatever, and they're like, "Really? Well, let's see." And you open it up, and it's a woman.
0: Right, right. And, and like, you go, "Hmm." Well, okay. See, we told you it was a cat, and then it changed it into this woman. Converted back when we killed it. That's proof, right there. Proof. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like some of the werewolf um killings that we talked about before. That sure. Uh, when they died, they would turn back into their human form. That's right. So so it got to be a, careful, right? It's kind of a good way to get away with murder is basically uh, what we're saying. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, it, was, it was a nice one. But, you know, I, I, I did watch a documentary um, about this that was, uh, you know, done by uh, an American filmmaker who had lived in the Philippines, and, and it was amazing to hear that this stories like this really weren't that unusual that it has happened. You know, a, a, You know, and people were relating stories where they remembered uh, people attacking an animal just out of sheer fear. Mm-hmm. Even, uh, you know, attacking people just because of their behavior um, being a, a little bit different. They were suspected to be in a swung. And, and this, this one young woman was, Uh, relating a story about an old woman, you know, getting just beat to death in the street. I'm just like, that's insane. Yeah,
0: that's just that's taking uh, the legend a little far for me.
1: But it it also, you know, when you when you understand how important it is in the culture, and even today, it's estimated that 80 percent of the Filipino culture believe in the Aswang. Um, You know, one gentleman even said that, uh, you know, you you could talk to someone um, from the Philippines and, you know, talk about ghosts and they'll be like, oh, ghosts, whatever. You know, I don't believe in ghosts or, oh, what, this house is haunted? Okay, I'll go in there. I'll spend the night in there. Eh, no big deal. If you tell them there's an Aswang in there, they're, they're hitting the bricks. Sure. You know, they're heading the other way. And it's all in the manner of of how these stories were told as they were raised and what they came to believe um and and so fear of you know if it's perceived then it's real mm-hmm. i mean if 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 I'm afraid of cats you're you're not going to be able to tell me just don't be afraid of cats right cats are great, and you know I'm gonna tell you. Cats are horrifying. They're just waiting to steal your breath when you sleep, and they're going to take your soul. That's, a, that's, that's true, a though. That's a fear, rational or irrational, especially with something that has been just inundated into culture. And you hear a story like that, you're like, God, that's that's nuts. How, how could anybody do that? But wait, back up. This is the fear of these creatures that a lot of these folks have been raised with. Sure. So- and- it, it uh, When you think of it that way, you just you begin to feel like, OK, well, maybe it's not insane. You know, maybe you've got an entire village that's terrified that because they've been told that there's an Aswang that lives in the mountains close to their village. And they're worried that one of their their villagers has has changed into one or it's the Aswang posing as one of their villagers.
0: Right. And and that that makes me think a lot um of in the US we have these different sects of people who, you know, we've got bigfoot believers, we've got UFO believers, we've got you know the the ghost hunters and everything. And a lot of these people die hard on the fact that UFOs exist and aliens exist. But they are unwilling to believe that ghosts are real and they'll make fun of you if you say you believe in ghosts or spirits, Um, but they believe wholeheartedly that they've been abducted by aliens or Bigfoot researchers that, you know, they say, well, this is obviously a real creature. Yeah, you have no evidence of it that we can scientifically proved but it's obviously a real creature but ghosts and aliens that's just kid stuff and y'all are insane for believing that so it it's all in where you come from and and you know everybody has their own beliefs and everybody's going to think one thing might be a little crazy when other people think their thing is a little crazy you know so you, you gotta right. you gotta look at it in that sense that there's some stuff that may seem wild to us, but we're looking at it through different glasses than the people who live there. They may think the, the ghost that Matt and I talk about all the time, that's a little wild for them. And and they think we're kooky for talking about it. So, you know, it's just where you, where you come from and and how you think about it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It's not a, it's not a, Well, this is this is a stupid belief and this is totally legit. It's cultural. It's it's regional. You know, it's it's the same difference of, you know, if you go to the Philippines and you're talking about Bigfoot, somebody may be looking at you like, you really believe that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, well, yeah, I mean, people have people have seen it. Have you ever seen one? Well, no. Okay, you're you're believing something that a lot of people have said. You're believing a lot of stories. Same difference. Sure, you know sure, exactly. We were raised. We were raised one way and heard these kind of stories, and we believe or don't believe. It's the same way in the Philippines or in China or in Eastern Europe, wherever you want to go. And you know it. It, it just it does it. It's it's amazing, and we keep saying this. You know how it this folklore will permeate a culture and you know to you if you grew up in it it's perfectly normal you know it's it's what i've always known you know to an somebody from the outside it may seem you know bizarre right. but to guys like adam and i it's fascinating yeah you know <laughs> okay adam Let's take a moment and talk about uh, a sponsor of the show. Really great product, and that's Kerov. Now, Kerov is a wellness brand that makes it easy to get the right vitamins, supplements, and protein powders for your specific needs. Whether you're looking for glowing skin, more energy, better sleep, or something to support your health and fitness routine, Kerov helps you build and stick with a
0: plan that's right for you. That's right. And fall is a great time to set some new goals, get back into a healthy routine, and reprioritize yourself. And Ashley and I have started going back to the gym, and the the little protein powders that they have are perfect for taking to the gym. They've got little protein uh, powder packs, or you can get the tub, and they've got these little packets of, like, maca root that... Give you energy and give you a little boost before you get in the gym. So it's really been helping me out and, you know, making the workouts that we've started doing a whole lot easier. Um, you just take a short, fun five minute quiz and answer easy questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and health needs, and you'll get. A research-backed recommendation with the vitamins, supplements, and or protein powders that you need based on your completely personalized quiz results.
1: Now, your Care-of order gets shipped right to your door in convenient daily packs, perfect for a busy, on-the-go lifestyle. Just throw a couple in your suitcase when you're traveling, or one in your bag on the way to the gym, as Adam does, every morning. Care-of is personalized for you, even down to the packaging. The vitamin packs and protein tubs say your name. And, you know, Amanda and I, we, we thought that was one of the coolest things that you, you know, you, you always knew. Hey, I'm, I'm not taking Amanda's vitamins today. I'm taking mine. Here's my name. <laughs> right. Listeners for, of Graveyard Tales can get 50% off their first order from Care-of. Just go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code GRAVE50 that's GRAVE50.
0: Right. So to get 50% off your first order from Careof, go to takecareof.com and enter the code GRAVE50. GRAVE50. That that's the reason that Matt and I don't discount anything like this. You know, we we give credence to all of these folkloric beliefs and and, you know, we'll never poo poo you for having any type of folkloric belief, even though we don't have it. And some of it may seem wild to us and, and we may say something like that. We don't ever discount it or make fun of it because people believe that. And and we're not ones to tell these people that it doesn't exist or that they're you know, we're not their judge. We We don't know. We don't know that culture. We don't know what a- actually is out there. So why are we going to sit here in the United States and say, oh, that that doesn't exist. That's crazy. When we don't know, we have no idea. Right. So we right. give all the credence we can to these things. Speaking of which, um, there's an author, Maximo Ramos, who explains the um, in, in his book, the Aswang Complex in Philippine Folklore. Um, he says, quote, the Aswang concept is most usefully understood as a compilation of beliefs about five types of mythical beings identifiable with certain creatures of the European tradition. One, the bloodsucking vampire. Two, the self-segmenting viscera sucker. Three, the man-eating weird dog. Four, the vindictive or evil eye witch, and five, the carrion-eating ghoul. Thus, when Philippine folks speak of the Aswang, they generally refer to the physical traits, habitat, or activity of these five types of mythical beings, and sometimes also other mythical entities like the demon, dwarf, and elf. This Transfer of traits and functions is characteristic of oral traditions, and it is the business of the student to clear up the confusion. So he talks a little bit about the five different types of creatures that are combined into what the Philippine people believe of as the Aswang. And he says one is the vampire. Um, The vampire is a blood-sucking creature disguised as a beautiful maiden. It marries an unsuspecting youth and thus can sip a little of his blood each night till he dies of anemia, where then the monster gets itself another husband. To suck the blood, the vampire uses the tip of its tongue, pointed like the proboscis of a mosquito, to pierce the jugular vein. So there's, there's that proboscis coming back into play. Another type is the viscera sucker. Now, the viscera sucker is a mythical being said to suck out the internal organs or to feed on the voided phlegm of the sick.
2: That
0: makes me a little nauseous there.
2: God. Yeah.
0: So this creature rarely occurs in European folklore, but is widespread in Malaysia. Now, it is reported to look like an attractive woman by day. Um. And, and they describe it as buxom, long-haired, and a light complexion. Um, its tongue is extended, narrow, and tubular like a drinking straw. Here we have that again. Um, but it's not pointed like the vampires. Um, it's capable of being distended to a great length. At night, the monster discards its lower body from the waist down and flies or floats or glides out to hunt.
1: And this is one in particular that we did bring up in the vampire episode. You know, the you know when mm-hmm. we were talking about the the myth of vampires uh around the world, um the viscera sucker is is another one that we um that we touched on. Um I think partly because th- this idea that the the body, you know, the the torso comes away from the right. rest of the body to to fly around and and hunt for victims uh was, was so unique. Mhm. I mean this is not something that you typically hear about. There's there's not anything else that I've ever come across that's quite like that.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and it, it you know, the author says it's not widespread in European folklore. So we don't hear about it much, but if you were if you are in Malaysia or you have been to Uh, Malaysia, you will have definitely heard about the viscera sucker. Um, Another one that he talks about is the weird dog. Um, He says the weird dog is a mythical being said to be a man or a woman, chiefly the former. um, So mainly a man um, by day. But at night, it turns into a ferocious beast, principally a dog known as aso in many Philippine languages. A werewolf is identified by the fiercest animal in a region. So, so you know, in, in Europe, it's it's a werewolf. Well, China is we're foxes and in India, it's weird tigers. So since there are no wolves in the Philippines, the term weird dog is a little more appropriate for that area, although the term we're beast may, in a lot of cases, be more applicable to that incarnation of the beast. Um, So that ties into a lot of other stuff, too, that um, we've talked about where the 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 we're blank is, you know, whatever the the most vicious creature is. That's why we have werewolves and and we're bears a lot of times in the U.S. is because those are the most predatory animals in our area. Um, One of the other forms he talks about is the witches. Um, he says another member of the cluster of mythical concepts encompassed by the term Aswang is the witch, believed by the folk to be a man or a woman, mostly a woman, who is extremely vindictive or who causes sickness without meaning to do so um, by magically intruding various objects, shells, bone, unhusked rice, fish, and insects of various species through the victim's bodily orifices or by herself entering the victim's body. The Philippine witch will punish those by whom she has been put out, or by an innocent uh, innocent look or remark, she also makes an equally innocent victim ill. Unlike the European witches, however, the Philippine witch has no appetite for human flesh. She is shy and lives in abandoned houses at the outskirts of towns and villages. She will not look people straight in the eye because... The image in the pupils of her eyes is said to be upside down, and the pupils are thin and elongated like a cat's or a lizard's in bright sunshine. So So she
1: would be easy to spot.
0: Right. And that's why she doesn't look you in the eyes so that you don't find her out. Um, The last one he talks about is the ghoul. Um, Now, the Philippine ghoul is said to steal human corpses and devour them. For this purpose, its nails are curved and sharp and its teeth are pointed. It's smell and breath are putrid and though generally invisible, the creature is said to look like a human being when it actually shows itself.
1: Yeah. So these these things are pretty nasty. Yeah. From from top to bottom. Oh but, yeah. Um, no matter what the, form it the takes. Ghoul, the ghoul is pretty disgusting.
0: Yeah. And the viscera sucker to me. That one that yeah. one gets me the most, I think. Ah. Um so before I hand it over to Matt here. I've got a list of some things that we have learned and maybe that we haven't touched on yet, but we will learn Um, some facts about the aswang so that we can kind of recap things. Now, one is that the aswangs are usually depicted as female. They frequently walk with their feet positioned backwards and they can use vocal tricks to disguise themselves. They will get quieter and quieter to fool their victims into thinking they are walking further away And establish a false sense of safety. So like we talked about, they use those tricks to make you think they're going the other way. The backwards feet, the ticking that gets quieter as they're creeping up on you. So you never suspect they're actually coming for you. Um, Another one is a swongs live as quiet, shy villagers. However, at night when they grow hungry, they will transform into bloodthirsty animals. Um, A swongs can transform uh, the appearance of objects, they will replace their live victims or stolen cadavers with replicas made from tree trunks or other types of plants. This doppelgangle, doppelganger will return home extremely sick and die naturally to avoid suspicion. So that's why it will replace the with a doppelganger.
1: Yeah. And I didn't expect you to mispronounce that. That was. <laughs> yeah, well, it happened. <laughs> that's one of the easy ones for us.
2: Yeah, I know. No, but yeah, we did we mention that at the
1: top of the show. Yeah. You know, they can um you know, you're you're hanging out with your cousin and all of a sudden your cousin's not acting right. Right, exactly. He's not not wanting to look at you. He's been quiet, he's acting weird and you're like, Hey there. Are you my cousin?
0: Seems to be getting a little sick and pale.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When uh it's like uh when uh when Wile E. Coyote looks at the roadrunner, you know, you start <laughs> you start mm-hmm. to like I look like a, a basted turkey over here. And, yeah, uh, right. I think it's time for me to go home.
0: Right. Um, now, a swongs will eat the heart and livers of unborn fetuses and young children. They attack by using their proboscis, which extends from their mouths and reaches into a mother's womb to suck out a meal while the women are asleep. Um. A uh, swangs move quickly and silently. They are so skinny that they are able to hide behind bamboo posts, as Matt talked about. When they hunt, they prefer to travel as far as possible so their true nature does not become obvious to everyone in their town. Now, they understand that if they were identified, they would be killed by villagers immediately. So they're not dumb.
1: They're the, Well, I, I think it's interesting. They're not dumb. Um. But they're also not, you know, invincible, right. either. I mean, you know, they're they're not so overly powerful that they just w- I can just wipe out this village.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what's what's really strange is is it appears that they are trying to live their normal life. You know, it's they're right. we're not out to terrorize uh, the entire village where we live. They are. This is their lot. They may, and, and you know, with the idea that you can be turned into an S-Wong, that that was not your choice, and this is how you choose, how you have to live, um, you know, how ha- how you have to feed, and this is, you know, just your unfortunate, uh, un unfortunate life here.
0: Right, right, and uh, another fact to tie into what Matt was saying. If an Aswang ends up marrying a human, then the partner will transform into an Aswang as well on their wedding day. Um, However, it's, it's extremely rare apparently for these creatures to reproduce. Now, Aswang couples will most likely hunt alone in the middle of the night because they do not like sharing food. Separating also helps them avoid causing suspicion and getting detected. Now, a human can choose to turn into an aswang and all you got to do is tie a fertilized chicken egg to your stomach once the chicken passes into their flesh they must bury the shell in a bamboo tube with coconut oil and chicken dung then they will possess the powers of an aswang
1: yeah and you know there was a, there's another part of this legend where an aswang will have a black chick in in their stomach mm-hmm. and that they can pass this black chick onto another. Um, touching on uh, Adam mentioning that, you know, one Aswang can, can change another person into an Aswang if their mouths get close together. And there's actually a movie scene where this happens. You know, where this this Aswang man is turning a woman and he brings his mouth to her and you hear the little chirp, 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 chirp of the chick mm-hmm. going from one to the other. Kind of like, okay, that's, that's hard to wrap
0: my head around. It's but somehow creepier. It's, it's part of it. So. Right. Yeah, it is creepier. <laughs> and, and to keep tying in on that, if an Aswang dies... Um, They can transfer their abilities to another person by holding their mouth close to them, um, which, like Matt said, then allows the chick to hop from one stomach to the other. So it can do it, you know, uh, voluntarily or Mm -hmm. as it's dying, it can do the same thing and say, here you go, take my powers.
1: Right. Yeah. So they talked about this could be done with a family member. Uh, Or
0: a a willing recipient. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Aswangs cannot step into temples, churches or mosques or any other holy consecrated ground. Now, if a doorway to a home or building has a special prayer posted by the entrance, then the Aswang cannot walk through that doorway. So that ties into a lot of the vampire lore that we have talked about before. Now, during the day, aswang still do have certain powers. Some of them will provide healing potions and cast helpful spells for the townsfolk. Because of their friendliness, there is an old Filipino saying that translates to, an Aswang is better than a thief. So despite their fear wow. of the Aswang, <laughs> the Aswang can still perform good in a community.
1: It may suck out your unborn baby but it won't steal right. your silverware.
0: Exactly. It's better than a thief. So you can tell whether someone is in a swung by looking into their eyes. And this goes back to that witch thing that we were talking about before. If your reflection is upside down, then they are not truly human. You can also look at them upside down by sticking your head in between your legs. If their image appears different than when standing upright, they are in a swung. So they, if you look at them upside down, their image changes.
2: Hmm.
0: Now, interesting. It is. Uh, currently, some people believe that the myth of the Aswan grew because of certain genetic diseases like X-link dystonia parkinsoni- Parkinsonism. X-link dystonia yeah. Parkinsonism. Um, yeah, and yeah. dystonia yeah. of Panay. Um, this is because the pictures. Of an Aswang transforming looks similar to a patient with the symptoms of this disease. Now, some anthropologists believe that the Spaniards created the myth of the Aswang as a way to keep the population under control. They told stories about the creature living on the outskirts of the forest to discourage Filipinos from leaving their town so they wouldn't, so they could keep their power.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the idea of. Using folklore and spe- specifically the folklore of the Aswang, um has come in handy for um for people that wanted to um gain some leverage. Yes, it has um with within uh, the, the Filipino culture. Um we mentioned this on a previous show about um Air Force Brigadier General Edward G. Lansdale who was in the Philippines helping combat the Huck Rebellion in the 1950s. And he used planted agents to spread stories of an Aswang that lived in the hills behind the Huck base camp. And he allowed time for the stories to spread throughout the villages and eventually to the soldiers at the camp. And one night, they ambushed a Huck soldier that was on patrol. They punctured his neck with two holes Hung him by his heels until he was drained of blood and then threw the corpse back on the trail. Now when the Hucks found their uh their comrade, the legend of the I swung in the hills appeared to be true. The next day the Hucks moved out of the area.
0: Mm-hmm. So I love that. Um I, I know. It, it's, it's amazing.
1: It's it's a fantastic story and this was um this was like a, a, a psyopsis mm-hmm. uh It's it's using using someone's beliefs to your advantage. You know, knowing you know, Lansdale knowing that this was something that was not just, you know, folklore to these people. It was part of their history and culture. And by taking this story and and making it real and make it making it appear real, he was able to scare off soldiers um and achieve you know a military advantage during this rebellion and you know we've seen um we we've seen examples of this of god i cannot talk <laughs> we've seen examples of this throughout history um especially you know things done by different military organizations but you know, it's just it's it again, it just speaks to how how deep this is embedded um in the culture of the Philippines. But again, just like Adam and I have been talking on this whole show, this is folklore. Um we we don't really know. We we don't have a lot of accounts, we don't have photographic evidence, even like blurry Bigfoot photos. We we don't have that. We just have a lot of. My grandmother always told me this story. Mm-hmm. My grandfather always said that up in those hills, you know, we have a lot of those. A lot of well, as I was growing up, I was always told about the aswang, but it had to it had to come from somewhere, and and there are two, um, legends that seem to be the the origins for a lot of how the the stories of the aswang began and um and i'm going to share those with you they're they're really good stories they have they have tried um historians have tried to determine the validity of the stories to see if they were even plausible um much like, you know, we know that uh, the man that was, you know, Count Dracula is based on was a real person. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really seem like he was a real vampire.
0: Right, right.
1: But we know he was a real person. So um, the the first one is probably the most common. And that is of, this is where I'm going to mispronounce everything. This is um, Tignete Gimo and i may be saying gimo incorrectly um but the stories regarding uh tignete gimo weren't really popular until around the 1960s and one such story was famously documented by uh dr Mac, um maximo ramos who uh adam mentioned earlier and uh, in the book in the 1971 book uh the Eswain complex in philippine folklore which adam referenced earlier as well now the story of uh, Tiniete Gimo takes place in Dunwes. Ah, uh, no, I said that Du Duenas, That's it. It's Duenas. Um And as the legend goes, Gimo was referred to as Tinete or lieutenant, since he was a captain or chief of his village, and it was believed that he and his clan were. one of his daughters was studying in the city and had invited some friends to her home to celebrate a fiesta. Two of the friends accepted her invitation and went to Gimo's home on the night before the party. As the night went on, more family and friends arrived to help prepare for the fiesta. They partied well into the night, and eventually Gimo's daughter and her friends decided to go to bed. There were not enough beds, so the girls slept on mats in the floor. Gimo's daughter on the left, one friend on the right, with the third girl in the middle. One of the friends was having trouble sleeping, and hearing the party continuing on, decided to peek out the window. She could hear people laughing and talking, and noticed that even more had arrived. She saw a large cauldron with women around it preparing vegetables. She wondered what they were going to cook as the cauldron was far too large for just a chicken or a goat. It was then that she heard G- heard Gimo's voice just outside the door. He was speaking to another man. The man asked Gimo, Which one is it? To which Gimo replied, The one in the middle and the other one on the right. The man said, I will bring three or four in case there is a struggle. Gimo answered, We'll just hit her in the head. It will be easier, and bring the sack so we can carry her. Panicked, the girl feared that it was her who would be cooked in the cauldron. So Quickly, she changed clothes to match Gimo's daughter and moved her sleeping body between her and the other friend. When the men came in, she pretended to be asleep. She heard a thud as the men struck Gimo's daughter in the head and then the shuffle as they shoved her body into the large sack. When they were out of the room, the friend scrambled out the window. She could see the other men kicking and beating the sack containing the daughter. She ran towards the woods, but soon heard Gimo's screams of anger and terror as he realized that it was his daughter they had killed. The men grabbed torches and began to search the woods for the escaped girl. She knew she could not outrun them since she had forgotten her shoes, so she climbed up a tree and stayed as silent as she could. She watched as the men passed underneath her, but to her good fortune, none of them ever looked up. Fearful they would return, the girl stayed in the tree and eventually saw the men come back, dejected that they had come empty-handed. When the sun rose, the girl ran towards the road seeking help. Now, as for Gimo, it was said that the outrage and despair he felt were so great that he and his clan of Aswang left the area never to return. And so this was a situation where people knew, people knew or at least really suspected mm-hmm. that this cat and, and his whole group were Aswang. But again, it, you know, there's Adam statement, you know, uh, an Aswang is better than a thief. You know, they were they were members of society. Right. And, you know, they oftentimes, you know, participated and, and were beneficial to local villagers. So, you know, at, at some point, maybe a lot of this was just overlooked. You know, it's sure, like, well, this sure. is the way they are, you know, <sighs> Don't go down that road at night, yeah, right <laughs> that's probably a bad idea, you know the you know the, the the mouse doesn't run out you know when the cat's you know sitting in the living room
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, it's like you know don't don't make yourself an easy target, but this is what they do right um and and live so that and is, let live that that's one of the most common legends, and it's it's interesting that you know it is it, it it didn't really gain any kind of popularity until around the 1960s but that was you know um you know when Ramos was b- beginning to put together a lot of this to publish his book the next legend um is of Maria Labo now there are many versions of this legend and i and i read through several and i mean they just went in every direction but they they held on to a common theme so I just kind of mushed them all together to uh to write out this story of the legend, but um, like I said, regardless of which version you see, they they do it does have a common thread of a vampiric I swung from the province of Capiz, and I'm probably saying that wrong too. Um, Maria Labo, as she is known. Was a young woman who lived a quiet, happy life with her husband and her children. Some versions say the husband was a policeman, others a farmer, but either way, money for them was becoming difficult. So Maria decided that she would travel abroad as an overseas Filipino worker. So some versions have Maria traveling to England, others to Spain, even Canada, but they all agree that Maria found employment caring for a wealthy, eccentric old man. Maria was to manage the needs of the large home as well as serve as the old man's caregiver. Maria rarely did more for the old man other than empty his chamber pot and prepare meals. He was quiet, remaining in a darkened room. Now One evening, the man spoke to her, telling her that he, too, was from the Philippines and that he was near death. The old man had a power he wished to pass along to Maria. Some say he gave her a small black object, which she was instructed to swallow. Others say that she consumed his blood either by invitation or trickery. So the man eventually died, and without employment, Maria returned to her family. But the Maria that returned was very different. She was cold and distant. She barely spoke to her husband and was lax in her care for the children. She rarely went outside, and the villagers began to notice. One evening, her husband returned home from work. He was quite hungry, and Maria had prepared supper for him. He quickly sat and ate, but then looked up to ask his wife where the children were. Maria motioned toward the pot still hanging over the fire. They are right there, my dear. Confused, the husband looked at the fire, then looking at his bowl, realized the meat he had eaten had been his own children. Enraged, Mm. the husband pulled his knife and slashed Maria across the face. Now, in the struggle, Maria managed to escape, and the legend says that Maria continues to haunt the Philippines, searching for her next meal. Now, it's interesting that the term labo comes from the word meaning to slash, and that's often with a bolo knife, and a bolo knife is another one of those things that um, you can kill on a swang, on a, on a swing, I swung. How many times did I say it incorrectly this show, I wonder? We'll have to go back and listen.
2: <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll let um, you know after we edit.
1: <laughs> Fourteen. <laughs> yeah. An aswang. You can kill an aswang with a bolo knife. Um and and a bolo knife is it's it's a long curved single-edged blade. It's usually used for cutting vegetation. It's like a small machete. Um but that's where her name comes from. Um but those are two very popular interesting legends both. Both stories have been made into movies, multiple movies. Um so yeah, I mean it. It's 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 part of the culture. I mean, it might as well be a uh, Paul Bunyan, um, right? I mean, the, these are the tales that um, that they go into the 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 culture of the Philippines, just like anything else. Um, you know, so as I said earlier, you know, it's estimated that eighty percent of the population there b- believes in some aspect in these creatures, uh, in the validity of the folklore that they grew up hearing. So it makes you wonder, you know, we, as I said, we, we don't have, we don't have photographs. We don't have videos. You know, we, we have a lot of descriptions, Um, you know, probably, I don't know, Adam, probably more descriptions of what this character, uh, this uh, creature can be and do than just about anything we've covered, I would say.
0: Pretty much, yeah, and um, I, I would agree with that.
1: So you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's interesting, but it makes you wonder: was was there something in in history, you know, in in and around the Philippines and Malaysia that produced these these legends? Either something legit or something totally not of this world. Um, that added to these stories and over the years, they've just grown and developed into their own thing. But was there, was there something that was, um, Yep that was this, this terrifying, you know, to a lot of people or, um, you know, this strange, or was there a behavior that was so out of the ordinary that, um, that it prompted these, these folklore tales to, uh, to explain it all.
0: Right. It really makes you wonder, um, and on that note, let us know what you think. Is it, you know, is the uh, swang just a strictly folkloric belief? Is there, like Matt said, what was there something that we can tie this belief to that actually existed, like we talked about when we talked about dragons or something like that? Was there a creature in the area that you know, made these beliefs come about, let us know what you think. Uh, Hit us up, you know, email, get on our website, shoot us a message that way or on Facebook or whatever, and let us know.
1: Yeah. And uh, get in our Facebook group. You know, this is where a lot of these discussions happen. Um, A lot of people bring up when we have an episode and and it is something as unique as this, inevitably we will we will have uh listeners that are from that region that will have a story or stories that are just they're incredible oh yeah and I, and I know whenever we bring up um whenever we talk about a topic in australia we always get such good feedback from our our listeners that are in australia and i'm hoping that we have you know either listeners in the philippines or or folks, you know, in other parts of the world that are that are from the Philippines or or lived in the Philippines at some time. Um, I know, you know, I've I, I've worked with, I don't know, several people from the Philippines. I've I've never had a conversation about this, um, but I might <laughs> the next time I, I I talk to one. Right. And, uh, and and just ask them, you know, did you grow up hearing these kind of stories? And so if you've got them, we'd love to hear them. And our Facebook group is a perfect place to share those. But as Adam said, check out our website. Um, That's where you can find links to buy our merchandise. Um, You can become a patron. Thank you to everybody who has donated to the show. Uh, You can even listen to Graveyard Tales on the website. Um, But check us out on our social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Adam is the chief tweeter. And Facebook, as I said. But um, don't forget to go to Apple Podcast. Leave us a review. It's how we move up and down the charts and bring more people to the graveyard. And uh, I'm rambling on. So uh, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard.
0: See you soon.
1: A, uh, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: I'm going to leave this pause in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I can't, it, it, the words escape me. But anyway. Um, God dang wasp. <laughs> God, I'm going to I'm gonna have to do something. At least... It's cold, so they're kind of uh, they're they're kind of weakened.
0: Right. Well, at least you're also wearing pants because when you tipped that, I got a good shot of your crotch.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's too cold to go pantsless like we usually. Do. <laughs>